attention, this is the Thursday, April 10th, 2014 meeting at the Chapel Hill Carver City Schools Board of Education. Um, well, members, before we approve the agenda, I would like to make an amendment to have Dr. Priscilla speak right before the public comments, if that's all right. And uh, so can I have a motion to, well, I'll make the motion then to uh, approve the amended agenda. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? That's approved seven to zero. Welcome back, everybody, from spring break. Uh, announcements. I have an announcement. Tomorrow is the last day to register to vote. If you haven't done it, get out there, get registered. Okay. So just to make sure, because our students are eligible to vote, you can yes, turn please. 18 before November election day. So even if you're close this year, you can still register and vote. Absolutely. And then I think there's a, a race going on to benefit Public School Foundation this weekend as well. I think we have some various walkers and runners. <laughs> and I hope the weather is nice and lovely and we raised a lot of money. Any other announcements? Mia? Please do, because I have I'm way behind in my next <laughs> So um, the, the state announced, uh, I believe this week, yes. that um, we, our district has uh, only had, only had, I mean, it, every kid matters, and we don't even want this many, but had only had 23 students drop out, which I believe I read was a 40% drop the previous year. It's our lowest. It's our lowest. It's our lowest. And um, that just takes so many people over 13 years that the kids are with us, and, and community volunteers or mentors and our staff, and, and I just feel like, um, Sometimes we have achievements that you can't compare year over year, but this is one that's just very clearly people are making a difference for kids. So I really congratulate the staff for that and, and the volunteers who work with those kids as well. Thank you. All right, then I will move on to uh, the personal agenda and agenda. To approve? Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Fair approved. Uh, seven to zero. And I'm going to turn the floor over to Dr. Priscilla. Thank you. And I, um, because of the uh, recent focus dialogue, I thought it was important, um, especially with the number of people that would like to speak, uh, just to give some background of the information that came out of our recent uh, focus dialogue that had to do with our budget. Um, the focus dialogues were created this year um, as a way uh, to support specifically our long-range plan, goal number three, support of promoting positive working relationships with all stakeholders, in this case with our parents. Uh, one of our guiding principles of our long-range plan urges us to work toward creating cultures that support collaboration, stability, mutual trust within our schools and with our parents and community. This particular focus dialogue was scheduled on one of the many bad weather days <laughs> that we had this winter. So it, it, it would have been nice if we were able to have it um, when it was originally scheduled, but we did get a lot of very good information from the focus dialogue. And it was not designed, and is not designed to be an open forum, um, which sometimes can be dominated by special interest groups, but rather a civil discourse on what are oftentimes difficult issues. At this dialogue, parents representing the SITs and PTAs, as well as at-large participants were involved in a collaborative conversation about our proposed budget. We asked all participants to listen to each other, leave personal issues at the door, and try and understand the big picture and respect the process. During the process, we 
have five quest guiding questions for each of the table groups. Four were to mixed table groups where the participants um, at each table there could be high school, middle school, parents from different schools. So it was a random group of parents from the different schools to try to get a conversation across levels and different um, parent groups and even um, with this, the principal representatives that were there also. There was a concluding question that went to table groups that were just school uh, represented. Uh, most important was the feedback that we received on the question that had to do with our vision and our long-range plan. Um, and basically asking the participants what were um, the issues that they saw or concerns that they had with the proposed budget and how it um, impacted our long-range plan and our vision for the future. And what came out of that um, were two major issues um, that need to be addressed. Um, the proposed reduction in professional development was a concern across the board, um, and the other one was the decrease, decreasing the number of gifted specialists. Both of these areas um, are pretty clear from all of the tables that they'd like to see us re-examine um, those areas. Second to these two uh, of concern was the decrease, decreasing classroom teacher assistance uh, in future reductions. Uh, those areas they felt would have the biggest impact on our long-range plan. Uh, two interesting comments. These are these. You probably have looked at these comments. They're online. Um, that also came out of that. One is that we need more funding to adequately implement a long-range plan go back to the budget so that programs that benefit elements of the plan are paramount. And secondly, we feel that we are nibbling around the edges at being able to address the long-range plan goals. We may be able to continue to address all of the goals, but not at the necessary level or with the quality that we would expect. I think that's, that really resonated with me um, because it is an, an ambitious plan that we have in place, um, and unfortunately we are in very difficult economic times. So how do you continue to move forward and do some of the things that we'd like to do when our focus right now is, is, is trying to make reductions to get us through uh, and to balance our budget? So our plan moving forward, which we'll talk about more on with the agenda item that is on for this evening, is to re-examine the current recommendations based on the input received at the focus dialogue. And we will talk about that more during our discussion uh, that is on the agenda. And finally, I believe that the focus dialogue is serving to be an excellent way to solicit input with regard to important decisions from a diverse group of stakeholders that represent as best as possible our school and our parent populations. So the beauty of having this is it's wonderful. We get all this, get these diverse people to come together and really have a conversation. It's not just being talked at or, or listening to. It's, it's people um, from kindergarten parents to high school parents having, having a conversation. Um, the important piece is, is that when we get this conversation, we really need to, to value that, listen to it, and um, move forward with that. One of the, we can still, I think, do some tweaking with this because out of this there come a lot of comments that really need some more explanation, but with 50 people and 20 tables, it's, 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 it's even more than that. It must have been 100 and something people there um, uh, to make that work, but I think 
be our timekeeper this evening. Andrew's going to be the timekeeper. Does he have something yellow to? He has that. He actually the can't use his iPad. Okay. To show you when uh, at two minutes, uh, I will um, ask you to please finish up your sentence uh, at three minutes. Please try not to mention students or faculty by by name. I don't see any placards in the audience. And typically, the board does not respond immediately um, to public comment. You know, there may be an agenda item later uh, where that will be addressed, but um, you know, it's open to, to uh, any issue. So we begin with the opportunity for SITs, and we have uh, the Sewell, Ms. Watson, and Mary Faith um, is here from Carborough Elementary School. So. Dear school board members, I'm here to speak on behalf of the Saul Elementary SIT. We are concerned about the prospect of cutting gifted specialists and teaching assistants. In our district, 30% plus of our students are gifted and need additional services to meet the district expectation of a year's worth of growth. We have heard that teachers are supposed to deliver differentiated instruction to make up for this. However, right now, teachers are spending two to three weeks every quarter doing mandatory assessments individually with children. The teacher assistant teaches the class when the teacher is out and helps to support state and district requirements such as mandatory duty-free lunch and planning, IEP meetings and PLC meetings. We have heard, discussed and recommend the following ideas instead. Can we reduce testing expenses and the number of assessments given to elementary school students? Secretarial reductions, such as secretaries in the high schools and district office. Is summer school effective now that it's been cut to 14 half days? Are there more cost-effective ways to serve students in need of additional support? Mandarin dual language. Can planning periods be reduced in middle and high schools? Are all class, classes load-bearing in middle and high school? And block scheduling in the high school? Class cuts have seemed disproportionately to impact elementary schools. We would like to see the cuts spread more evenly across the levels. We appreciate your time and service during this difficult budget time. Thank you very much. Coordinator positions 
growing perhaps even coaching positions and we need more data on that to clarify it but since the onset of the recession has there been growth at central office while we're being asked to cut um, for kids that people who work with kids every day for instance half the cuts in the current proposed budget are for the elimination of the AIG specialists who serve over one-third of the school population um, and we, we want to point out that the AIG program has just been integrated into classrooms, facilitating growth and assistance for a much wider range of students. At, at Carborough, for example, we now have a half-time bilingual AIG specialist, which is really critical for us. Um, the new approach to integrating the services into the general classroom, which can support the classroom teacher in developing better differentiation strategies for all students, um, we need more time to gauge its effectiveness and we don't want to stop what, what we've already started. Um, and then the plan to per perhaps further cut um, by cutting teaching assistance, um, we would uh, resonate everything we said is I think my previous, the person from the other school just said. Um, we just want you to look at cuts across all levels, elementary, middle and high and at the district office. Um, I think I'm almost out of time, but we appreciate the opportunity to comment on this and we appreciate the dialogue sessions and we want to make sure that you as a board keep your eye on the long-range plan that you have put forward. Thanks. Is there anyone else here from an SIT? Okay. And we have um, nine people who have signed up to speak, but you can certainly still have an opportunity. Oh, sorry. That's right. Is anyone here from the teacher organization? the high school student reps but I have your group coming under um, second on under um, after Miss G all right let's have Miss G okay okay hello in front of you is a brown envelope with a star on front in front of it and that is your pass for April and May. It'll be the last performing arts passes for the 2013-14 school year. I'd like you to note that there are musicals happening in schools at all grade levels. There are second graders doing musical called Bugs at Rashkis. There's Stone Soup at um, Morris Grove. And for the first time in my experience in this district, which is 28 years, Four middle schools are coming together to do one musical called The High School Musical. <laughs> it will be performed at East Chapel Hill High School. And that very same weekend, uh, Chapel Hill High School will be doing Legally Blonde. So you have musicals at all three levels. You also have art shows in schools separately. And then we'll have the District Art Show Visions and it will happen the same week as your May school board meeting. So you'll be able to walk through the art show on your way to the school board meeting. So if you take these two passes and combine them, there are 38 events over the next two months, and I would like to call them assessments, because that's really what you're seeing. I think Mike could say that, and so could Dr. Priscilla, when you saw that orchestra concert of middle schoolers. That's an assessment of what's happening in classrooms with our talented, hardworking students led by incredible teachers. So I think this will help you as you face these budget dilemmas to take a breath 
and see the bigger picture. Thank you. All right. Next we have Carrie Pittman, Mark. I'm so, I, can't, I can't read it. And Sophie. We're going to speak together. Come on up. I still get three minutes. Though. If you go a little longer, it'll be all right. Oh, I thought we got three minutes each. The current gender-based harassment section in the non-discrimination policy is not clear enough to adequately protect all students. The policy equates gender to sex, however, they are two distinct aspects of an individual. Sex is the biological and physiological characteristics that define someone as male or female. Gender refers to how someone identifies with being a man, a woman, or something else. There are many labels used to define one's gender because gender falls on a spectrum. Gender expression is separate as well. It refers to characteristics, behavior, dress, and other ways one might express their individual gender identity. An important aspect of gender is the way the world perceives one's gender. Many students face discrimination on their perceived gender or the way their peers think of them, even if that perception is inaccurate. Under the current policy, none of these aspects of gender-based discrimination are addressed clearly, which can cause confusion for teachers and staff having to respond to this type of harassment in the school environment. This type of harassment and discrimination is prevalent both nationally and in our own district, shown by the results of a national study from 2012. Four out of five transgender students feel um, report feeling unsafe at school because of who they were. Nine out of ten said they experienced harassment, and 44% said they were physically attacked in the last year. 67% reported cyberbullying, theft, or destruction of property by peers. Gender-based harassment does not only occur in high school, there are middle school and even elementary school students who are discriminated against based on their gender-related characteristics. One example of this occurring within our district is the history of an eighth grade boy. Since sixth grade, he has been physically and verbally attacked on the basis of his feminine mannerisms. He would come home crying often. He reported the bullying in his seventh grade year, but the, school response, the school's response was inadequate. They lectured the bullies, but did nothing more in response to the continued harassment. He had to learn to handle the harassment on his own after observing the school officials ignore the problem. This is a common theme for gender nonconforming individuals, often due to the lack of explicit direction to address this type of harassment. A change in the wording of the policy would improve clarity on the issue and hold staff accountable for a type of harassment that has become the norm. A statement from a transgender student in the area. Things overheard in the men's bathroom. Why is there a girl in here? Things overheard in the women's bathroom. That lesbian was totally checking me out. Just let me pee. It doesn't have to be a difficult process, and I'm not going in the bushes." Unquote. This is a relatively mild example of gender-based harassment. Verbal attacks are, are not the only problem that students face in gender-segregated environments. There have been many instances of physical attacks to students based on gender nonconformity or perceived gender nonconformity, especially in facilities like public restrooms or locker rooms. There are many programs in the school environment that are segregated by gender or sex, including bathrooms, physical education programs, and locker rooms. This can cause stress and safety issues for gender nonconforming students. Other aspects, another aspect of gender segregation that can be harmful to gender nonconforming students' educational experience is incorrect pronouns and names in the classroom environment. Staff, staff and teachers ignoring a student's gender identity and expression can create an unhealthy environment and mislead students into thinking that misgendering, either out of ignorance or malice, or malice is acceptable. In the examples 
school staff sets can affect how students treat each other in and out of the classroom. If poor examples are set and harassment becomes the norm, harassed students, gender nonconforming or otherwise, can become isolated from their studies. Detachment from school can lead to the self-destructive behaviors or even dropping out. The current policy is not clear enough to staff and other students. This creates an environment where not all students are safe and comfortable in school, despite district policies and federal laws established to protect everyone. There are multiple federal laws protecting students from discrimination based on aspects of gender, such as gender identity and expression. These include, but are not limited to, Title IX, the Due Process Clause, and the First Amendment. Title IX prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex, and in the eyes of the court, that includes gender. Many federal court cases have held up the decision that students' First Amendment right to free speech includes stressing and expressing themselves in a way that best expresses their gender identity. In our district, there have been cases of both students and teachers criticizing the clothing choices of others based on perceived gender identity or sex, not because of a breach in dress code. This criticism, this criticism and possible harassment creates a toxic learning environment. It is the responsibility of the school and the district to ensure that every student feels safe. The legal obligation to protect students on the basis of gender exists whether it is part of the school policy or not. And studies show that teachers and staff are often unaware of the responsibility to respond to gender-based discrimination if the district and school policies do not make it clear that this is a requirement. An important part of, the, of that is explicitly stating what constitutes gender-based harassment and including all possible forms. Every student has the constitutional right to equal protection under the law, and in the end, this relatively small but incredibly important change to the district policy will uphold federal law and prevent potential liability, but more importantly, provide a safe environment for all students. And we have some handouts explaining some of the terms mentioned, as well as giving a, an example um, guideline revised policy um, over. So.
I know that a great deal of time is required from the administration of the balanced funds and every year difficult decisions must be made. However, as you discuss the budget, I'd like to remind the participants that our district is unique in the sense that it houses a high percentage of AIG students, close to 33% of our population. Now, many community members, including myself, are concerned about the cut. Currently, the AIG program is inadequate and provides minimal services to identified students. No doubt, the program needs modification, but not reduction. So, I'm here this evening to ask that instead of submitting the budget with over 500,000 in plus to the GES, I hope you will ask the county commissioners to fully fund this vital service for the unique needs of our district. It's clear the cuts are inequitable and disproportionate. They represent close to 60% of the $909,000 cut. Now, eliminating these positions will, re re will result in a direct contradiction to district's missions, um, which is to ensure that all students acquire the knowledge, skills, and behaviors to achieve their full learning potential. In addition, these cuts conflict with several of our long-range planning goals, one, two, three, and five, to be exact. I'd like to add that hosting a focused dialogue meeting leads the public to believe that their feedback is valued. I hope that is the case. Many of my colleagues have struggled to acquire accurate information about programs so appropriate decisions could be suggested. At times, this information was difficult to find and I'm certain we don't have the full picture since the budgetary line items seem to be blended together. Nevertheless, safeguarding all students' right to a legitimate education at every level was and always will be the priority. This extends to include our high aptitude students. Now, without proper resources, it will be impossible to service this undeniable portion of our population. The plan for gifted ed education is not receiving adequate resources. The Common Core standards are not uh, designed to support high aptitude students. The removal of part-time gift, uh, gifted education specialists will exacerbate the already dysfunctional program, leaving our high aptitude students neglected. Now, I'd like to ask that the board make decisions that protect our students and uphold our district's mission. The AIG program provides a legitimate service to our population that transcends demographics. Chapel Hill is extraordinary with a beautiful blend of ethnicity and a fierce commitment to education. However, our excellent students are receiving an average uh, average instruction. I hope that the board, Superintendent Dr. Priscilla, and administrators to the state will find some innovative solutions for our students and our community. Thank you. And, and are you Kim and you're reading for Kat? Or I'm Kat. You're Kat. Okay. okay. I'm Kim. Gotcha. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. here to speak on behalf of Gifted Ed, but I first want to say that uh, I really support these high school kids. They did an awesome job. Okay, my name is Ann DeBella, and I'm a parent of a child at Culbreth and a child at Carborough High School. I'm the GPAC rep from Culbreth. Okay, but I'm not here today to talk to you about my children and how they can benefit from gifted services because I, I have other options. As a taxpayer, I shouldn't have to make trade-offs between vacation and extra educational opportunities for my children because their school has failed them, but I am willing to make that choice. I wish to speak on behalf of those who are not represented here tonight, for students that don't have options and resources, for students that perhaps don't speak great English or are economically disadvantaged, for students whose giftedness is masked by disability. These students may need to be identified by someone trained to recognize giftedness and a gifted ed specialist has the training to do this. We know that gifted, giftedness cuts across race, gender, religion, socioeconomic barriers. We say that we're concerned with the achievement gap, but yet we let the families with options seek their own solutions and let those without go unidentified and without differentiated services. This serves to widen the achievement gap, not narrow it. 
I spend three weeks every summer teaching seventh and eighth grader college level material for Duke Tech. It is a privilege to teach these kids, and they come from all walks of life because someone identified them and spent time cultivating their, their abilities. For many, they are there because of the gifted ed specialist. In a few weeks, I'm leaving to teach gifted seventh and eighth graders in India. These children are absolutely no different than the kids that we see in our schools. But India has more gifted children than America has children total. So we're fooling ourselves if we believe we're preparing our children to compete in a global economy. We need all children to receive an appropriate education. LEAP is one way that we serve highly gifted students, and that's a really good start. But we know that intelligence is not fixed, and we know that there are many ways to express giftedness. LEAP does not identify children that are gifted in, say, math, but not language arts. Um, and, and it doesn't identify children that have non-traditional abilities, such as interpersonal, musical, spatial, and the list goes on. I teach students that are highly advanced in math, but many of these students cannot write a good paper. These are the STEM kids that we say we want to nurture in advance, and they are not in LEAP. They are in our regular classrooms, and they're not receiving the support they need as gifted services continue to dwindle. We are failing these kids, and we need gifted ed specialists in our schools to help them. I'm asking that you please submit a budget that asks the county commissioner for the full amount we need to fund our schools. And let's not make the budget the end of our fight. Let's make it the beginning. We need radical change to properly educate all of our children. Thank you. And then we have um, Miriam Thompson, followed by Tina Kingston. Oh, yes, you were. We just got you a little bit out of order. No problem. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, I'm Kara Acock, and I'm a member of the GPAC. I also have children who are at Carver Elementary and FPG. Over the past few weeks, I've found myself feeling very disappointed by some of the policy and budget decisions that the administration has made. There is a stated belief in growth for all students, yet you have proposed disproportionate cuts to one group. Time and money were spent developing a long-range plan based on our core values, yet you continue to make budget and policy decisions that directly conflict with the major goals of the plan. The district claims to be focused on growth rather than proficiency, yet teachers are being asked to sacrifice instruction time to administer countless tests tracking proficiency throughout the year. There's a proclamation that you stand in support of teachers, yet you continue to eliminate TAs and gifted specialists to provide our teachers critical support and allow for differentiation, thus making each teacher's job much more difficult. These proposed cuts are described as the least painful option. Yet all of us who care for and teach gifted children are devastated as we think of the negative impact that this will have on our kids. I understand that budget reductions are not entirely in your control, but what you do with the remaining budget is. I will not concede that a reduced budget necessarily leads to a lower quality education. Rather than think about the situation in terms of how much pain it will cause, Perhaps we should all consider this our call to action to find a more efficient, yet more effective way to educate all of our students. It may be prudent to consult our teachers for advice as they have become experts in doing more with less. The Common Core Standards encourage students to use higher level critical thinking and advanced problem solving skills. This is our chance to model those very skills and show our children that hard work and creative thinking can create a better program for all. Simply reducing the bottom line on the budget
our bottom line should be a quality education for everyone. Teachers are held accountable for their students' progress. Principals are held accountable for their school's achievement. We now hold you accountable for upholding the communal values encapsulated in the long-range plan. Neither I nor many other families here will remain inactive if an alternative to crippling the current AIG program is not offered. We must all commit to making meaningful and informed changes in order to restore Chapel Hill's reputation for educational excellence. We are committed to, to doing whatever it takes to ensure that our children receive an equitable education. Are you? And now we'll have Miriam Thompson followed by Tina. I want to comment on the start my statement with commending the high school students. Sure, everyone matters, because that really speaks to what I'm going to say. There are key priorities in addition to the long-range goal the superintendent cited that I heard shared at the recent budget focus groups for parents, SIT members, school leadership, and stakeholders, closing the achievement or opportunity gap and equity. Two priorities in the Board of Ed's long-range goals. I urge the budget you vote on tonight reflect the district's ongoing effort to recalibrate, redesign, transform, and secure a more robust academic instruction and teacher support that provides an inclusionary environment that welcomes, nurtures, recognizes, and provides the opportunity for every student to bring his and her talent and gift to the learning environment to share with peers. This is the education and social development that will help breed a caring community, not an exclusionary one, and the skills our young people will need as they face a challenging and diverse environment. These are the considerations I hope are reflected in the budget that you vote on tonight. The Carver Elementary School SIT Chair testified earlier to the importance of transparency for each budget item, including evidence-based justification, outcomes and expectations. As we face a painful budget shortfall, in large part due to the current legislature, and get ready to support the board when the school budget comes before the county commissioners, and then onto the State General Assembly when it opens its short session on May 14th, this information will help fuel, sharpen, and amplify our voices, and inform, I hope, your own member associations advocacy. Thank you. Hello, I'm Tina Coinsmith. I think I know most of you at this point from my years of work on the PTA and it's at, I've been at Sewell Elementary. I don't speak to you tonight as a representative of any group. I speak to you as a parent of a child at Sewell Elementary in fourth grade and um, a rising kindergartner next year. Um, I have lots of things to do tonight and I don't have time to be here, but I felt that it was so important. I'm, I'm really worried. I'm really worried about what happens next year for our kids who need gifted education. And I say that not as a rhetorical ploy, but as a, it, it, I'm, I'm sick in my stomach over what I'm going to do next year with my children. And so what I'm really worried about, I'm worried about two things. I'm worried about this phrase, the least painful of the cuts to gifted education. We have to own that we live in a different kind of place. We're between universities, we're near Research Triangle Park, 
we have to own that we do in fact have a larger number of gifted learners than many areas across the country. And we have to be okay saying that. And we have to meet the needs of these learners. I'm worried further because we have a sense that this is least painful because we have a new common core. And so now that requires more of all students, right? All students will do more, they'll think more deeply. The problem is we seem to be confusing curriculum with children, and that worries me deeply. We do have a common core that asks all children to think more deeply and learn more. However, that does not negate the fact that we have children who are going to approach that from different levels and who are going to need different levels of teaching to do that, and teachers who are trained specifically in gifted education. I'm really worried about that. Next year, I will send a rising kindergartner into the public school system. I believe deeply and strongly in public schools. You've heard me speak in impassioned ways about everything I believe about public schools. I am worried that I'm not gonna be able to keep him in public schools. He will come to kindergarten on day one reading and doing math that is identified currently as grade two level in Common Core. He comes from a private Montessori kindergarten, or not kindergarten, preschool. He'll be in the kindergarten classroom. I need a teacher there who can understand how to approach this learner and who can give him what he needs. I'm not the only one who needs that. There are many, many children like this who do. And so I really wanna ask you three things tonight. I want to ask you, first of all, please ask for what we need. Let's not turn in a budget that says, hey, let's make it easy for you. We're going to take these cuts and we're going to call it least painful. It's not least painful. It's very painful. Let's ask for what we need and, and make modifications from there. Please do not cut AIG programming. Our students need this. We live in a different kind of place. We have to own it. We need to support these learners. And I'm asking you, most importantly, I mean, please do not create a school system where families of gifted learners feel like they have to leave it. Don't create an environment where families like me, where families like what has been described, children who do not have possible other options, don't make us feel like we have to go to charter schools and to private school to get a year of growth for our children. Please. Now, if you, if you didn't sign up, is your opportunity um, to come forward and just state your name, and then you'll have three minutes if anybody else would like to speak from ahead. Sure. Thanks. Uh, my name is Benjamin Landman, and I speak tonight as a parent. Uh, I know single case studies are not the most effective form of data, but I'll provide one tonight. My wife and I have lived in Chapel Hill for 12 years. We have two sons. The older one is currently in fourth grade at Estes Hills. And the younger one is excited to start kindergarten there this fall. I'm grateful for this opportunity to emphasize the importance of gifted services and our gifted specialists. I appreciate that the schools are being tightly squeezed, and I know from experience, too, that there are many excellent, effective, highly motivated teachers at Estes Hills and throughout the school system. But I also know that our older son's experience has been positively and profoundly shaped by his interactions with Tammy Finch, the full-time gifted specialist and that at times during the past years when his needs were not being met by regular classroom instruction, assignments from Ms. Finch and interactions with her made a critical difference in keeping him challenged, interested, and an active learner. This fall, our older son will move to middle school, and our younger son will start kindergarten. My wife and I are deeply concerned about the ability of our schools to meet our son's needs if gifted services are cut. We ask that you consider and adopt some of the alternatives that have been proposed for meeting budget goals rather than substantially reducing the number of hours of gifted specialists who make such a difference to so many students in Chapel Hill's elementary and middle schools. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? 
with that input. Some of the things that maybe were felt to be non-essential, um, like Mandarin, a lot of input that said leap, um, but there wouldn't be, I think maybe those programs that we are examining, the Mandarin program, as you know, and there'll be a, a spring recommendation where we go with that, there wouldn't be su substantial um, budget savings, we still have children's, children in classrooms, Transportation is not something that we have significant savings because of the, um, the nature of how we pay for transportation with the state, part of our local funds. Um, there wouldn't be significant savings. Um, and to just dismantle the program in a whole year, we wouldn't do that anyway. Even with, with, if that was a decision we wanted to do, it would be a phasing period or whatever. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't see in this budget significant savings. but. I understand how when people look at programs that just treat certain groups, they see this as something that's, that's not, not essential and they save us a lot of money. So when you see that on the feedback, it's not that we're ignoring that feedback, it's just that it wouldn't really get us um, much further in terms of, of savings uh, financially for this budget. And as we have, uh, as we move forward, we really want to look at um, issues that really do not Instruction. Uh, our long-range plan is, is focused on instruction and instructional excellence. Um, we also have one of our long-range goals that we think will make a significant difference, and that we have to keep moving with our plan for um, professional development and um, career advancement for teachers. And that particular model, um, I think, is going to really help us change the culture of our schools, and that's something that we have to move forward with. So tomorrow we're meeting with, as a cabinet, um, to take a look at possibilities. Um, so I think this evening, and I'll turn over to Todd in a second for any other comments that you might have, um, or Dr. Wolfries now, I might say. Again, Todd still works. I didn't want you to think I forgot about it. And I don't know, I, and Todd can, can clarify whether at this evening's meeting um, the board can choose to, because we have to get something to the, to the county commissioners in terms of the dollar amount, um, and then we hold till the next meeting on what the specific reductions would be, and the board can take action on the dollar amount, or if there's some other course of action that you can take. But I think in light of um, where we are now and some of the decision making that has to be made, we just need another two days to have to do some more investigation possibilities. And um, I would, I guess, uh, I would just point out two things. Uh, the first is uh, the board received uh, this evening an updated uh, overall spreadsheet uh, that was a result of us finally receiving from the state our uh, projected enrollment for next year. And it was slightly less than what we, uh, what we had uh, projected internally. And so the way that affects our budget is that we had based our budget on receiving the same per pupil amount from the county and, um, and uh, that the county would have funded our enrollment growth. And so we're still on that same assumption, however, there'd be less students. And so it results in slightly less, le uh, sli slightly less revenue for us, uh, which um, raises the total budget shortfall. And we're, we're bringing to the board a recommendation that we would um, suggest that the board uh, request that additional amount of the county. So instead of it being uh, just shy of $2.8 million 
uh, budget shortfall is just shy of $2.9 million. And so we're recommending that the board um, um, make that additional request as part of the overall budget request. And then the second thing I would just point out, which is customary in the resolution, uh, is to provide the flexibility uh, to the county commissioners uh, to fully fund the request uh, by uh, using the special district caps, and that's something that we do each year. And that concludes my remarks. So do board members understand what, what um, I think that what's being proposed is that we don't, we can send a, a budget request to the county commissioners without delineating where exactly the $909,000 is going to be cut from. Of course, the board hasn't decided. We might be sending a budget request to ask for all of it or somewhere in between or, or whatever. I mean, so um, but we don't have to be explicit in uh, what positions placeholder in here for what the governor has proposed for raises for beginning teachers right. and our match that would have to have it for that. Um, there was a report yesterday that 
that even that is in some question. Based I saw on that report and was discouraged by that report. It was. Um, I guess my comment would be, and, and obviously the board has to figure this out, my comment would be we ought to keep that placeholder the same even if the state doesn't give that for beginning teachers, we ought to figure out how to give that amount of money to our teachers across the board. Well, just to clarify what you said the last part across the board, because this is not for all teachers. It's not today, state. but if the state doesn't raise the beginning teachers, we should take this money. Right, but I just want to be clear that what you're saying would be this dollar amount, but you, you're dividing it for all teachers, the actual amount per teacher would be much smaller. Could be $50. Yeah. Could be yes. I, I understand. Yeah. I just oh, we always still want to request I just that. want to make sure yeah. I understood what you were yeah. saying. Okay. Andrew. Okay, so I <clears throat> want to make sure that we're clear on, and that so the public is clear as well, on facing the numbers here, what exactly we're requesting, right? So mm -hmm. the total budget shortfall we're looking at is just shy of $3.8 before the recent change. So we're looking at closer to $3.9 correct? Mm -hmm. 3.8. 3.8. 3.8. This is the update. Oh, yeah, oh, so that's magic. That's updated. It's 2.8. It's closer to 2.9. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay, so then with the proposed budget reductions of 909000 forgetting for a moment exactly how they're broken down, the, it puts us at a total budget shortfall of 2.8 million, and we're going to we're discussing whether or not we're going to request to the county for that full amount after the $909,000 request, both through regular property tax increases as well as special district tax increases. Right. Do we want to ask for the full 3.8 million or some number below? And the superintendent's recommending 2.8, really 2.9 million. Right. Which, where do you stand? What do you think? I'd say we asked for the full $3.8 million. You are consistent. I, 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 I stay where I was. Okay. Um, can I ask a yeah, question? Yeah, sure. Go. One of the things I brought up last time was to have a sense of where Orange County schools are. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten any information at all in your collaboration work mm -hmm. with them as far as what their needs are? and? Um, again, because, again, for the public, what happens is we are one of 15 counties that have two school systems and so we both have to go to the county commissioners and part of what happens is the equal funding that they are obligated to do for both school systems the only difference is the special district tax so that impacts sort of what what's even possible for us so they've reported to us uh, that their uh, per pupil request is uh, around 175 177 dollars they said in the mid 170s i believe uh, we're at uh, 230 a $230 per pupil increase at the um, just under the 2.8 level, so it'd be a few dollars more than that. And if we do the full request for three, so it's about a $600, $700,000 difference. But if we do the 3.8, did you get do the calculations of how much that is per pupil? Uh, Ms. Pittman might have that. So like I, know, I know we had that at one point, but I could. So at, at, at your leisure, you can. That's 300 something. That's well, you guys, come on, you can divide by 12,000. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has it. We can all each have a computer here. But I, I have to stay on this page. I cannot shift it. Andrew's working on it. He's he got a yeah, he's smartphone. Just again, so we have that context as we're trying to sort through this. And yes, then the last yes, question yes. I have okay. is historically, so we've got on this budget the, the shortfall. Um, the tax increase amount possible with those things. Can, and just historically, can you remind everybody, since we have a lot of people listening, what 
what have they done before? Because what we're looking at with a two point, just with 2.7 million, it's a 2.84 cent increase. So the tax increase that's happened historically, so far they've not, they've been holding it, but when you've seen it go, right, for the last five years, but when you've seen it go up, I contextually want, want us to. Ms. Pittman, can you come forward? Andrew, did you do that math? Yeah, about three three hundred and seven dollars. Three hundred and seven dollars if you go with all of it. All right. I know. We'll we'll. Three hundred and seven dollars for history. I guess. I'm assuming that the question is pre like pre recession. Pre recession, you have a memory for like what the per pupil increases were? I know I've seen that chart. My page. It's on page. It's on page. Next page. But Five to ten percent. I mean, it's how many cents that is. But that's that's a, but how many cents? Yeah, I want the cents. Can I just remember that we had that? Yeah. I guess it is here. So on page, on the right page. page this benefit of being in Lincoln Center is we have access to some resources we wouldn't otherwise. So this cutting is going to go. Okay. Right. <laughs> if I'm reading, well, wait a minute. Hold on, Ruby. It's page 14. If I'm reading page 14 correctly, that's what right. you wanted, right? That is. So, so what we're asking for now is a 2.8. If we were to go to the superintendent's recommend, it's 2.84 cents. The highest ever. Let's see. 2013, 14. We've never. No. no, there's a two, three. Uh, that would be higher than they ever gave in all the years when the money was good. Well, there was a 10% increase in oh, yeah. 21 years, I don't ever remember a three cent tax. No, I don't either. James, you lived here longer. You remember? Yes, good, good, good. But that's the district tax. Ruby, do you ever remember like how much the ad valorem tax has ever increased in a particular year? year? Two cents, three cents. Going more than two cents. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's gone higher than that. Because it's not just us, right? I mean, it's yeah. their requests all the yes. as well. Are we just 48.1 target? Yeah. I'm just trying to yeah. make sure everybody listening understands the background. Uh -huh. not, not to mention the income taxes for many of us have gone down mm -hmm. um, at, right. the, at the state level. The state gave back money right. and um, and we're bearing the brunt of it. Yeah. Go ahead, Chair. I'm still trying to get information. Yes. Um, the Dr. Priscilla with the, the concept, I'm a little nervous about um, agreeing to anything short of let's ask for all of it when we really don't know what that's going to look like. Um, so based on, I know you need more time, you're all going to get input, but based on the input that you've received so far, are you anticipating that you're going to be able to bring to us a budget with the $900,000 worth of cuts that will not be leveling out one particular area? That's what our goal is. Yeah. And um, 
want to restate what Dr. Porcella just said, because we, we talked about that a little bit this week. One of the challenges that we face is that if we wait until July to make this budgetary decision, then people are going to find out that they're without a job in July rather than finding out now. And for a teacher, that's going to be very difficult. So that, that goes into some of the decisions. There's also RIF. Yes. Yeah.
basically I'm trying to call out what you're saying here. So in terms of if we went with the, the total requested amount as per your recommendation, then you'll come back with us with a recommendation for the 900,000 of, of cuts, right? And what I'm hearing you say is that you believe you're going to be coming back with something that at least softens, reduces the gifted specialist. Or any, any one area. Right. So, so, and then, so you feel confident knowing that, and then, and then you feel confident you're going to come back with a, you know, a reasonable package of cuts. You, 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 know, you can get to the 900,000 doing that, correct? Yes. Um, but at the same time, you have to realize that we'll also be looking at, in our conversations now, if there is another cut, where is that? Okay. Right. Maybe not get what we asked for. Right. So, okay. So, give it. So, okay. So, so the, it, it's a little unusual, but I, I, I think, as I often do, I have quite a bit of respect for the staff's ability to come back um, with something that makes sense educationally and in terms of our long range plan. So, there's that one thing. Um, in terms of asking for the whole thing, I just think it, 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 it's not fair to the people on our staff who will be impacted by cuts because I think we really do understand that from our reactions, I mean, we've, we've had some conversations with county commissioners who gasped, actually, at the really? amount that we were coming in with, with this, this amount. Um, I, I, you know, it's it, it. Yes, we need to ask for what what we um, we need on one level, but at some point you have to be you have to have some level of, of realistic. Real, uh, that's not a word. Realisticness. Realism. Realism. Thank you. Thank you. Um, within the request, so um, I, I, where I'm coming around to is, I think I I think I can I can work I can support this plan of. Or, your recommendation that we approve the same cut. A request for 2.9 million. Uh, or the request for 2.9 million, and then hammer out the details on that one piece of it next week. When, when, so this being Thursday, when would you feel like you'd get that to us in the weekend sometime? Yes. Or? Okay. Maybe tomorrow. So that we and the public would have time to mm -hmm. digest what you recommended. Okay. Jane, I can support that. I, I'm really bothered by by your comment that the commissioners would be shocked by this. I mean, they were. We've been, for multiple years we have told them there's a cliff coming that that we're going to run out of fund balance and we're going to require a tax increase at that time. Here it is. This shouldn't be a surprise to any commissioner. And and so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I understand the the realism factor. I mean, I I, I, I get that. Um, but what I fear is that that they will view even 2.9 million as still part of the way Barry says it's playing the game, it's the Kabuki dance, and I mean that is a that is a real number with pain behind it, with damage to our mission included in that number already, and so uh, we we shouldn't. We've got to be very clear with them that if that's the number we're coming with, that's the number we absolutely positively have to have, and they have to make it happen. Yeah. Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. And we start, in collaboration with the other chairs, we started that process by making it clear to them that the emails that they were getting about gifted specialists and those kind, you know, that those.
those emails, and that was something that that or some equivalent was happening before we even got to them. To put it in the terms of um, uh, County Commissioner Alice Gordon, she says, make sure that everybody knows that you are not coming with a continuation budget. You're coming to us with already a trim budget and, as we've pointed out before, a low fund balance um, for ourselves. And so I think I think it is absolutely incumbent on us to be crystal clear every time we talk about this with, with the public and with them that that is exactly the case. This this isn't the old kabuki dance that we've been running and I've been part of. I mean, but if, if, they're, if they're surprised, then I'm worried that they're still in that mindset. Right. So we have to be clear. And, and I think our constituency has already been clear with them um, that, you know, that, that they you know, have let them know that things are not normal. So. I agree with you on that point. Um, well, just looking at the uh, page two of the, the abstract, um, we were reminded that, you know, per statute, they can't raise the district tax any more than what we request. So if we don't request all that we want, and then we later find out that um, revenue projections are very favorable and they're they're spot on with what they expect to bring what the county expects to bring in there's no turning back if we find that there could be sufficient funding to support the three million may I give you an update on that yes we um, asked the uh, I guess it was Thursday last week when we had collaboration Wednesday or Thursday so we asked the budget director um, what's the current update on the county budget? He said it has projected 1.5% growth. And that's what's built into the fig, you know, page 13 figures here. So um, he's not, I asked, I also specifically asked if he was expecting any other state, the state legislature to do any other dramatic cuts to the county. Like they, they've also had cuts from the state legislature, not just, not just schools. Um, and they had not heard of any additional cuts coming down but he so basically the county budget is about the same with a, with a 1.5 percent uh, um, growth but did you go ahead I interrupt you but go ahead and finish your thoughts then. well that I just wanted us to be mindful of that and, and just make sure that we you know we keep that in mind um, I know it's a significant difference but I just so it, and so if we adopt a resolution that includes this language about our district tax, we still have a window <coughs> of time that as they are um, doing their budget work sessions that we could refocus um, not only on the per pupil ad valorem increase, but on whether or not um, we wanted to ad advocate for uh, an increase in the, in the district tax as well, what to is, supplement. What is that time frame? It's uh, they are planning to adopt a budget. It's usually the um, the meeting at the end of May. Weeks or it, it's usually that from, meeting. Okay. I don't have the calendar All right. in front of me. Okay, so before they go on holiday, and it's not the last one because they do the intent the meeting before their intent resolution, and they usually generally stick with that. Mike, so I think that's a very good point. Something that we always try to remember and think about. Um, so what I would suggest is, is that forward is we have the wording that says that we're asking them to fund all of our requests from district tax. If they raise the ad valorem tax a cent, then that would cover
cover us for for the 3.9 million, I think. Okay, so we, we asked them to, to um, increase the district tax. I think it's about three cents. Is that? That's about right. That, that would be all of what we're asking. No, that's the ad valorem is three. three it's the same. We don't have to ask them to raise okay. the ad valorem at all. Right. Right. So we just say we, we are asking from, from the district tax for three uh -huh. cents. If you raise the or four the, cents. Well, if you do four cents, then you're covering the whole the uh, three point nine. Oh yes. Okay. okay. So if we say three cents from the district tax. Uh -huh. Then they could give us the whole thing without raising the ad valorem, uh -huh. or they could raise the ad valorem and one cent or, or more, and then we could get everything. Make the difference up, up to four million. Okay, now that has political ramifications. Now, now I don't think that that's going to happen, but at least that gives them that flexibility. That that's the opposite of how the resolution is phrased, though. You know, I think it's it, it's really the yeah. same net effect as the way the resolution is phrased, right? Resolution says to increase the district tax. Increase the district tax as much as you need to to cover fully cover our request. It doesn't put a dollar figure there, it right? And it's but it says the same tax. thing. And it's district tax, not ad valorem. Correct. Okay. I mean, that's the language department. Yeah. Generally, my feeling is that when we make a request, we make a request to have them meet our 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 needs and our requests and. We need to give them the flexibility then to be able to do it however they decide to do it. So it's a, the resolution itself is fine in that respect. Um, but it's the document that goes to the county commissioners that has the explanation. Right. Well, that's the that is my question. So typically, do we tell them how much we think they ought to? Think? I always thought we gave them sort of just something so that they they had enough of it. We use the language right. in the resolution. Yes, I think we've done right. it different ways. The last several years we've done the language of the resolution. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, there's, but there's a... Go ahead. A, there's a cover right. yes. letter that goes with yeah. it. And yeah. that cover letter, yeah. you can explain to right. me. But that also means we're giving them the legal right to do meet our needs however they, they choose. So the, my understanding, though, that's why I was asking for that to be clarified on the page 13. I do want to be really clear on what's going to go to them because if the equivalent of page 13 goes, you have to strike out all the, it just has to be a dollar amount in terms of reduction. You can't have included right. anything else. That's right. And then the bottom component of it would have, you'd have, that's talking about ad valorem right. tax, right. not district tax. Right. And so I don't, I don't know if you want to have both calculations there or strike all that. You know, that was there more for our information. I yeah. don't know. So. You wouldn't want it to be confusing. And the other problem is if we pass this, it looks publicly like we passed these AIG cuts. So. Right, we would need to strike that. So we just need to say cuts. But I mean, it's almost like they're not that. Yeah, so it has to be really clear what's going to them, is sort of my feeling. Um, and I, I'm just uncomfortable passing something when we're talking one week's difference with that chunk vague knowing that no matter what the chunk is, and I appreciate Dr. Purcellis um, um, saying that you can do that, but it's still, we know we're at the point that any cuts are going to impact the classroom. It doesn't matter what we do. I'm not supportive of a budget that's gonna take out all of it on gifted, and it has to be sort of spread out more. Um, so for me, that, that's where I, I have a hard time supporting it when we still don't know what we're doing. Yeah, but you would have, and obviously, when we come back with whatever reductions we can agree or not agree, 
is several years, several weeks to come before we know that. Next week. One week. One week. No, I'm not. I'm talking about what the, the county will do. Well, I going back to Mike, I'll take a turn to Mike's point. I think it's many um, people and quite a few commissioners, I think, perceive the district tax as being inequitable. I personally argue quite differently. It's been around since uh, 1909, um, and there was a referendum in Orange County uh, defeated uh, the, the possibility of, of Orange County schools having a referendum. But they <laughs> prefer not to raise that tax, except uh, when we open a new school, and they did raise it two cents last year uh, to fund the operating expenses of that school. And to me, the operating expenses of the school should be all of the schools should be borne by all of the taxpayers. Um, since we are willing to pay more, and you know, we live in, I live in a much smaller house and, and fund it for these schools, I think it's still uh, democracy in action, but I don't think they would favor raising the district tax. So I, I like the language as it is that we really want per pupil uh, based on the ad valorem tax. It's unfortunate that school boards don't have taxing authority in this state. Um, but that I like the flexibility that, that make up the difference. Um, using the district tax is fine. And I just think politically it's softer. It's strong on the money, but it's softer as far as the equity piece. I don't know, maybe I mean maybe we get the opposite reaction. So you know, the county commissioners have the ability to fund the two districts at exactly the same level, anytime. That's right. They can zero out the district tax and they can raise the ad valorem, or they don't have to raise the ad valorem. So I don't have a problem with us asking for them to raise the district tax at all. And I think that's all we've done. Problem that one district doesn't get funded as much. I think that's not exactly the way that I would design the system to be. But it is what I think is the right decision for this board. Does that, that address this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I'll continue. I don't think it's reasonable to ask for a three hundred and seven dollar per pupil increase. I mean, I think it's doable for many, many citizens. I don't think that kind of a tax increase is doable for, for many at the lower um, end of the spectrum who are going to actually see an overall tax increase and will lose their earned income credit at the state level. And I just don't think politically it's feasible. It's just not going to happen. Um, of course, the collaboration, that's Earl and Barry. I had lunch with Bernadette uh, the other day, and even a 2.73 tax increase was not what was being mind um, going to be fully funded and I think that to wait until end of May even when we can be planning that it's it's time to go ahead and cut that that nine hundred thousand dollars I've actually swung the other way to what Shell said we should just two meetings ago that we should cut the full, full two point at the time it was two point three million um, <laughs> because it's what no matter what positions are cut, the advocates for that group are going to come out and not want it to be cut. Um, I know also with the gifted specialists that when Ephesus was smaller and Glenwood was smaller after um, Morse Grove had opened, they only had one full-time AOG who did the work. Um, and they, but then as the populations grew, uh, Tom restored the 
year or two ago to one and a half. So when this population is smaller, and, and some schools are smaller, they have fewer teachers to consult with and fewer classes, that's something that can be looked at. Um, does every school really need one and a half? And some just have one as, we're, as they're bringing it back to us. Uh, but if we cut, no matter what we cut, there are going to be those proponents who come out and speak against us. And I think just delaying and deferring until July doesn't get us anywhere, and it's not fair to our staff. And it's not fair for planning. So um, I think 2.9 million is incredibly optimistic, and it won't happen. And we will be back at this table in June and July. But I'm quite willing to ask for that. I think we need to show. I don't. I don't want to ask for 3.8 because I think we lose all credibility. I think we lose all bargaining power when the. Um, to me, when our parents go up there and they ask for. Please, please, you know, give us the funding for the .5 AIG special, so whatever it is for the, um, the theater person or, or another counselor, whatever it is, when the commissioners know that we're the only school in the state that has one and a half or even one AIG specialist um, that has this kind of, of support, they're not going to see it as rational or reasonable. Um, and so in the past, I've always said send what we need. But given the state budget cuts, I, I don't think it's reasonable to do that. So I would propose that we ask for the 2.9 and be prepared. On Thursday, it'll just be for the 9 million, but we need to direct administration to be working on the full 900,000. What would the next level of a million look like? What would the 1.5 million look like? What would 2 million look like? Um, so that we're prepared. And, and it's, I mean, that's where I stand on it. I, and I, I do think. Let's ask for it from the ad valorem with the language we have in the uh, resolution that we certainly can make it up from the district tax because I don't really want to set off a battle between the two school districts or between us and the commissioners either on that way. Who else? Annette. Well, I, I can appreciate your thoughts and um, it's, it's always uh, um, tough for me to um, consider both sides. Um, I, I lean more towards asking for the full amount and then be, being able to showcase um, either positive impacts of the work or negative impacts of reduced funding. Um, so um, I, I do believe that we, we've struggled at times being able to show what it is we're doing, um, whether it be um, getting the job done, um, demonstrating the success of our students or demonstrating um, where we have we where we have struggled in less in less than optimal circumstances because of funding issues so I I'm, I'm still a proponent of, of showing them what they've done for us lately <coughs> you all familiar with Janet Jackson so <laughs> what if you that sort of thing but I I know the political arena and um, even though these times are slightly different, it's still a song and dance. And we do this every year, and it's quite frustrating. Um, but um, to speak to your comments, James, Etta, if, if you feel as if we're going to be back to try to find, if you will, or reduce another million dollars, or 1.9, or whatever that amount is, I think that in the 
for the sake of limited time, um, and all of us seem to, are, are mindful of being able to inform our staff as soon as we possibly can, then next week we need to be prepared to look at, well, how do we get rid of the next layer? Because next, <coughs> next week you're bringing to us some modification of what 900,000 would look like so that it it is more proportional, if you will. But we don't have a lot of time, so we might as well start looking at the next layer. You see what I'm saying? You're suggesting that we're going to need to cut another million beyond 900K, so we might as well put that stuff on the table too and start grinding at it, you know, because we're losing time. We're losing valuable time if we're going to be mindful about informing people or we wait until the summer. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Just to dovetail about what you were emphasizing, is the other part where you say showcasing the good and the bad by having that dialogue keep going on some level, in some way, when we're there meeting with them, we'll have flushed out even more what it will look like in terms of the impact. I don't know if that would be useful in terms of negotiating or discussing this, but right now we've had just the, the level of specificity has been halftime AIG, which clearly, you know, that's evolving. Um, but any any insight administration has in terms of what this is going to look like, I think, is important for us to be able to articulate. Because so the, right, I get because the original cover document was saying, well, the next level would be looking at uh, TAs at the schools, and so if there's a variation on that, um, that would be important to know too. And, and if there's a way to pair some dollar amounts with that, Andrew, you get your hand up. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess it's. I want to talk a little bit about the, that, how we approach the negotiation and I'm not sure where we are on as a group we've agreed on do we ask for the full amount no we haven't that's what we're getting ready if yeah, someone so wants to make a motion you can if you have more insights on what something you want to offer it's we are getting there yeah or any new new facts vote. we're going to need a vote soon I'm still in favor of asking for the full amount. I, I take your Would you like to make a motion? I, I move uh, that the resolution includes a uh, request for the full the amount. The 3.796 million dollar budget football. I'll second that. Okay. okay. Now, and, and of course, I think you mean, and also with the resolution language about the district tax. Including uh, uh, language that uh, requests that the uh, uh, full budget shortfall be met using the special district tax. Is that right? Well, it says it's a minute budget request and the authorization to increase the district tax as needed to fully fund our budget request. Yeah, it's just the budget request itself is different. Yes. That's okay. Part. So so Mike, we're sending no to you in that motion, is what this is saying. It's, it's the language is different. I want you to be aware of that. It's what's in the resolution versus saying fund it all from the district. Well, but it's, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. I think you're right. It does have that flexibility there. So okay. it's basically taking page 13 and truncating it after total budget shortfall. Mm -hmm. The first total that's budget right. shortfall. That's right. What, that's what the motion is the on the table. The total budget shortfall was a 3.796559. Uh-huh. Yes. That's, what's, that's the motion on the table, and it's been seconded. Is there additional discussion? So seconded. Uh, Shelby. Okay. So, so if I understand this right, um, you're very skeptical. Like, I'm looking to, to you and Mia because you guys are in the um, collaboration meetings and, and yeah. talk with this. So, 
this in the past where we've asked for Always things that, we've, asked for that we've know that there's no way that they're going to be able to fund or want to fund. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's ever hurt us any more than our usual needs uh, or what we actually get. Uh, I don't know. Because I, I, I didn't have a feeling that they felt like we weren't trying to be fiscally uh, responsible. Oh, no,
And that's okay if that's what those citizens want and that's what they want to fund. And so, you know, we as a community have been willing to pay for more because we do want to challenge every child. We want to help our EC kids, our English language learners, as well as make sure our gifted kids grow. Um, and that's the conundrum. And sometimes different commissioners come from different backgrounds and don't share our desire. And they focus on that 48.1%. And I think we will, would need to argue very vehemently that this is a year, given that, that no one could predict with the state legislature you know, last year, that 48.1% won't, won't cut it. Even at the lower rate, that's not that. This is going to be a year where the school funding needs to be higher. You know, needs to, needs to be regardless of which budget we ask for. But it's a different, it's a, just a different mindset. So do you have a sense for where a $4 million increase for us would put that ratio? No, I haven't yeah. done those numbers. <coughs> That's even asking a lot for Ruby and Andrew to do. Yeah. I, I, I just wondered if that had been discussed at all. No, 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 no. We were just sharing initially. Okay, is there other discussion on the motion? Um, if we pass this motion, maybe it's a separate motion after, if it does pass, um, would we expect administration not to come back with a list next week? No, we would still be expecting a list and it will, um, because we need to be fair to our faculty, our members, and because it get, the board can always change our mind, you know. <laughs> the board can. If you see that list next week and we really hate it, we can't come to an agreement, we can change it even though it would not make that county commissioners happy. There's nothing. They haven't made a motion. They haven't adopted a budget. Remember, the board has power, and we can use it. Um, but I think we would certainly want to see that list because we have to have the discussions. And we, what happens if you wait till June and July? The public leaves town. They go on vacation. They go to visit grandma, and you don't. You lose the full participation that we have now. I mean, that's just another. Remember what happened with the dual language? People were out of town. So we want to try and do what we can while the parents are here. That, so we're and the teachers are here. So we're expecting about you know, nine hundred thousand, a list of nine hundred thousand dollars list. But yeah. will there be a second tier? What do you guys think? That's what really Shell's. I think Shellanetta is sort of suggesting that might be good to have. Yeah, because when we're lobbying for whatever we end up with, whatever the majority votes on here, no matter what that ultimate decision is, like Annette was suggesting, I really think that's wise on two levels, both yes. informing the public and also, as she's saying, showcasing. This This is why we're saying these are our needs. This is what it's going to look like, because they don't understand that. Right. Yeah. And, and okay. I think that helps our constituents good? understand yes. what we would lose if the funding wasn't as we were Right. And try your best. You know, <laughs> you might not get to one million because you got it tomorrow. Okay. It might they might need another That's okay. um, we can meeting after that meeting. too. We can call a special right. meeting. That's true. But it's we just a matter of getting started with it. That's right. Because right. it's so uh, practically over, you know. I mean originally part of the goal was to avoid trying to upset so many teachers. If it was random that everybody's being caught, we don't know what, then everybody's morale suffers. Nobody knows what's happening. If we can be a little more specific and now we can have this dialogue, you know, craft it some, those people will still be upset, but we can focus in. Another million is going to be very painful. It's going to be very painful. I need to see that. And we need, okay. All right, so I think we have all nodding heads on that part. 
All right, so we have a motion on the table. Is there any other discussion? So I, I'm not sure I've heard from James or the media uh, So what, could you express your opinion on this or insights as to pros and cons? Help me make up my mind. Um, I'm interested in um, bringing forward the full request. I, I am too. I, I, I think I said it last meeting we had on this that it's and partly because the commissioners if they view this as as a dance we might as well start high rather than starting in the middle. well fully fun like we've always said we've done we asked for because everything else is painful mm -hmm. okay Mia, can i shut this question yep I'm really interested in okay. how you went from don't ask me for anything, none of this, right. <laughs> to going, so help me here. So the reason why I've transitioned is I know how painful this was, and I knew, you know, probably why, why in the world would I campaign again knowing that this was going to have to happen, but this is going to have to happen. And part of the reason why you want all of us having this conversation is to have this background. And it's great to have your voice here too, don't get me wrong. But the the history and the balancing of all these different political factors that we have to do is a part of what we're trying to think through. So I definitely have more of the rip off the band-aid approach because of the idea that these, these, these cuts are going to hurt our kids. They're going to hurt a lot of kids and we can't fix that. But what I thought about in the, sh in the, the delay that's happening in terms of our bond urgency, the shock value, like you said, them not realizing that we, um, we really meant it, that this is going to be it. Even just an outreach that has happened with county commissioner reaching out to me, asking me, how come you're not asking for fully funding the schools? And then to have to translate how bad things have gotten. And knowing there are new county commissioners there, we need to make our case. And so I have changed in that sense. That's why I'm very supportive of not stopping our administrations doing their job because we are going to have to make these cuts. I'm, I'll be shocked if we're not going to be making these cuts. But that way we can translate, just like Annette said. This is what it's going to look like. This is why we've come to you asking for what we need. It's what, what you ask. And this is what it's going to look like. So that's why I've changed. Yeah, I am. I'm always having the best. I don't know. <laughs> All right, leaders, chime uh, in. Everybody? No, I, I want to oh. hear some reflections of what you're doing. You want to hear James? I have always, in the past, spoken in favor of asking for what we need and being completely transparent with the commissioners. I've always put it that way. This will be the first year I'd say, God, it's just too much. And I don't have a problem asking for what we need as long as we are working and preparing. And, and, and you guys understand that it, it displaces the heat, it just delays the pain. I'm going to vote no, I just need it. I can't, because we, I, I think it's time we have to face reality. But I don't have a problem with voting yes either. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, yeah. my first year on the board, yeah. I mean, I was opposed to asking for a tax increase. Because I thought we had things we could cut, and we didn't have a tax increase, and we were able to avoid it because we did do things well in the end, and I supported the final budget. But I was pressured that it would be stronger for us to have a unanimous vote on this request to the commission. Yep. It's <laughs> also a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that, James. That's very valuable. So. I mean, if you think Let's that, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, if you, if you, if you say, I mean, I wasn't there, that they, they gasped at 2.73, you know.
Um, there will be consideration about, um, I probably, I don't know if they know that yet, there will be some potentially consideration about the high school teachers having to teach a study hall or another period um, as well. And um, I want you to know, because some of you didn't, that at the high schools, they have one coach. And then they've crossed all three of the high schools, they have a math coach. That's all. You know, a social worker. That's all they have. At the middle school, they have one full-time AIG, one coach, and then they traded, because I forgot, we had forgotten this, um, they traded a reading position for a for the half-time reading teacher. And that's all they have. So, um, and they don't have, you know, they don't have the office staff and the secretaries and, and the um, bookkeepers in excess of what uh, elementary schools have. They do have additional guidance counselors because of all the college applications and all the other um, work, and, and even that's being looked at in, within one slim little area uh, for reduction. And we, four years ago, we cut athletics, and we cut them a second time. And we cut central office staff big time. They are reorganizing. That's always very sensitive. We have vacancies, three vacancies. That will probably mean that one might not be filled, and people will be repurposed within that. Um, and we have restored, like with the ESL uh, coordinator and the world languages as we've grown these programs. So it was cut, and it has come up some, but not back to the original cut position um, on those numbers. So, but. So it's not that even these proposed cuts were all at the elementary level. It's been a, it's it's been at all at various levels. We've talked about reducing, not funding drivers ed, and we you know pay to play with sports. Um, these have been ongoing budget discussions every year since 2008, I guess. James, and some of that also has to be looked at year over year. I mean, last year's cuts with SEBPS, courses not making, I mean, there, were, there was a lot of high school cuts. At the same time last year, we were reducing elementary, you know, fourth and fifth grade class sizes. So there were some increases at the elementary level last year as well. So this, you can't just look at one year in isolation. Right, oh, I got you. Just to emphasize, I mean, our superintendent and administration worked really hard to actually increase the amount of, of um, grant funding that we use. So some of those coaching positions, I had asked Dr. Purcell to remind me because we had so many changes, but a lot of them are being funded by grants. So those are already, like, if we lose those, then those positions don't have a funding stream. And the other thing we had, I think Todd ran it for me when we had chairs meeting, is what was the cuts across the last few years have been so 10 million or something? 8 million of local. 8, eight million it's local.
also do believe what James was told, uh, that it, uh, there, there is some strength in unanimity. And um, so um, I, I believe I will go along with my colleagues, because clearly there's a majority of the colleagues on this one, and, and uh, I will vote yay to, to ask for the whole thing. I also want to make it super clear, um, again, kind of reiterating what we were just talking about. This is, this is $11 million of cuts, and it's actually in some ways probably even more because of the increases that we've had because of health care and all those other things. It's been all over the place, up and down the system. We have, we have tightened Lincoln Center quite a bit. Positions have been repurposed and repurposed and repurposed. Um, and so if there's any thought that our administration, because of this one recommendation in this one year, that our administration is against gifted or something like that, I, I absolutely need a public to understand that is not the message to take away from this. This was just the year that we got to staff and that was a recommendation and, and that's just where we are. Um, we're going to have a long spring and a long summer and uh, so be it. Because we we talked about it a little bit last time, but I mean, where do we stand on the question about changing in the plan to make these, you know, some cuts for gifted work to make it less less painful? Yeah, the centralizing testing, reducing paperwork, that kind of. Yeah, and that's something we're going to talk about some more. Uh, Dr. Barbie's had a conversation with some of the specialist leads. Mm -hmm. So, uh, is that something we're going to come back with next week or next month or? We need to have our gifted coordinator in place to, to facilitate those conversations. So we would want to be making any decisions without this person in place. Okay. So we have a plan that we like to implement. We are looking at our service delivery model different to offer services differently. We've already reduced the amount of time with testing from six months to one month. Gifted specialists have, have already been assisting each other with their um, caseload with regard to testing. So they've tried to work together as it is. So in terms of how we will look, we need our gifted coordinator to be on board before we can make any final decisions. So, and that's not until May 5th. So we're going to continue to have conversations and plan, but we wouldn't have anything official to present until we have that person on board. And it might need, you know, a day or two to get Although Dr. Priscilla did tell me, mention it, that with the new ES, ESL person, they were able to consolidate testing. Um, and I don't know exactly what the details were, but that they were able to do it, do it differently, do it more efficiently. Okay. All right. All those in favor of the motion, which is to request $3.796559 million, along with the language about the district tax and the resolution, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Say nay. Mike, did you vote? I did. Oh, okay. The motion is passed seven to zero. Thank you. Now, an hour and ten minutes on that, but I think it was worth it. Um, and now we go to the uh, resident Sapphire report. Sure. So uh, that time of year again, we uh, annually we receive um, uh, the draft of the SAPFO report, uh, which is a result of the work of administration uh, and town staff uh, at the various towns, school boards, as well as uh, Orange County Planning Department. 
And um, I think the important part of the SAPFO, one important part of the SAPFO report is just um, the annual update to the projections, which show uh, our anticipated need for new schools. And uh, the, the uh, summary of our projected new school needs is described in the abstract. Uh, we anticipate um, elementary school number 12 uh, being needed in the year 2020. Um, middle school five also in 2020. I'd point out that that uh, takes into account uh, the Colbert Science Wing edition. And the high school expansion uh, would be in the year 2023. Um, the county requests uh, feedback from the school board. Um, we typically do that via a letter uh, each year. And administration recommends a couple parts um, that we would suggest uh, be included in the letter. Uh, one being about the facility study. And so I know everyone's well aware that the facility study, uh, if implemented, uh, could uh, delay the need for new schools. And so um, um, that would be an important point to reiterate to the county. Uh, Pre-K, in a similar fashion, we've had a lot of discussion about pre-K and the impact uh, having pre-K students in the schools has on school capacity. Uh, and as you know, that um, our facility recommendations uh, address pre-K as well. So that would also be something uh, to reiterate. And then uh, there's been a lot of discussion about student generation rates and whether those have been accurate, especially for multifamily units. Um, I'm pleased that the county has uh, agreed and they've already started to work uh, around um, a new study uh, to, to update those rates. And so uh, we'd, uh, we'd uh, I'd ask if there's any other comments, any other items to um, share with the county commissioners. And then the final uh, part, which is a, a resolution, which our, our attorney worked on for us, has to do with the new types of development that are being considered uh, by the towns. Uh, there's negotiated development agreements, there's form-based code, uh, and so depending on those types of development agreements, technically they might not require um, a PAP certificate. Uh, and then there's another mechanism in which we um, designate potential areas around town for future school sites. And so the resolution is a formal request to the town council to honor the, the spirit, the essence of those um, uh, the CAPS process as well as uh, the potential school site and coming to the school board and requesting a release uh, and um, administration would recommend uh, that the, the board adopt that resolution this evening. And Todd also presented to Chapel uh, Hill Town Council last night, James, myself, and Mia, and Dr. Priscilla were there as well and, and it's been quite a, you did a wonderful job, it's been a lot of time, had a lot of questions to help them understand, you know, what, what are the generation rates, and you had the, some slides that you all have seen um, from our March meeting, and uh, and so they know this resolution was also in their packet, so they know we would be considering it um, as well. Board members, what do you want to tell the county commissioners? I think what Todd outlined was good about our facility study. Thank you for the generation rate study. Um, those communication items that you know would uh, make sure that the various towns, Chapel Hill and Carver, are always informed as well. Committee. I, um, yes, I, I support us, you know, asking for that courtesy to be included in those discussions. So, uh, you know, so that's, 
I see nodding heads. Anything else we need to add? Are we good? Just so a question. Um, I know this goes to county commissioners, and that you've done all this work with um, Chapel Hill. Did we had anything specific in terms of Carborough, and is your plan ultimately to get something similar going with them? I know we've done some work trying to have a collaboration. We met with the uh, and I met twice now with the uh, town manager, and we're in the process of scheduling a meeting. Um, the ball's in their court to, to make, up, make that contact, so we've, we've met here twice, we've reached out twice, and we're hoping to schedule it. It might be nice if now that you've had this great productive meeting last night with the information and all that, perhaps you could think about if, it, if you think it's wise, but somehow letting them know that sort of level of discussion happened and looking forward to having it. And then even this CAFS issue, depending on their future development plans and things, I could envision that we might have similar issues. Anyway. I'd like to think we probably want to be explicit also to commissioners that SAFO is working. Know, this is a valuable because that's what we yeah, they sort of wanted to take away from last night's meeting. This is a valuable tool that's true, for school know. planning. And let's be just explicit in that statement. We like it. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> James. Um, Todd, just because it looks so different, but is there any thoughts on why high school enrollment's down? Um, no. Um, this isn't the year they cut off change or no. anything like that's like no, next they're middle year, right? They're yeah, they're still middle Remember schoolers. Remember, Catherine knows that she, her yes. kid is one of those. He's an eight, he's a sixth grader. Okay. It var it varies from it varies yeah. from year to year. I you know I was actually surprised to only see an increase of eleven elementary school students this year. That that surprised me. Okay. Um, so it, okay, that just there was some easy obvious answer that was, um, and then. So out of last night, one of the things that uh, um, Matt Chukowski asked for was sort of a new process. I mean, SAFO has two components, right? It has the long-term planning side, which has projections based on it, and then it has the CAPS process, which is based on these student generation numbers. He was sort of, I mean, I think so what, what Matt asked for was, for those who weren't there, was basically they've got a list of whatever it is, 6,000 units on their plate of things that people have proposed, how many kids is that going to generate? And how does that fit into our long-range plan? And the reality is that it's incorporated in the 1.5% growth, growth projections exactly. today. And I think the other answer to him ought to be just take the student generation numbers and throw it against, I mean, there's no reason to develop a new process Right. to try to insert into his process because as, as you said we like Sappho and it works right. so right. there's really no reason to respond. Well, the, but the other thing that he right. wanted was the modeling and that's just beyond But it. the modeling it is the student generation. Right. But, but as, as far as 3D that's we can't do that. We, we don't, don't have that. I thought too though the other issue was that there with this new vision the way some of the developments are is a giant apartment complex that if it fills using our standard generation whatever for apartments that basically what you potentially have, and once the building's done, those units are available, boom, they fill up, not instantly, but if they fill up pretty quickly, they will overwhelm an attendance zone. So I showed some information, I showed some information last night, just to, I showed Chapel Watch Village, for example, which is off of Eubanks, and Chapel Watch Village, I think, had 120 units, and I think we expected maybe 18 kids to come uh, to the school system, and in reality, we got 40. 
Um, but then I also showed um, East 54. And right. East 54, I can't remember how many units it was, two or 300. Um, and we have two. Um, so two students uh, came. And so it does vary depending on the type of project. Um, I, I'd also, James is right. The, the, the projection methods we use captures the growth on an ongoing basis. And so if we've seen schools move up, we've seen schools uh, push off. And so um, I think it's unrealistic to assume all the development's all going to come online at once. Um, Matt talked last night about having to make some assumptions. And yes, there could be people who could make those assumptions to say when things might, uh, might progress and come online. Um, but that would that would not be that would not be us, and so I, I suggested that that would be a good comment that the town council could share with the, with the county commissioners. But I also think that you know the student generation rates and what's coming out that's only one component of something that they need to consider, and they need to be considering. I mean, we've all heard about diversifying the tax base and increasing the revenue from the projects, and so all of those factors come into play in terms of providing revenue to the county, which will help support us in terms of when we need to build a new school or build the renovations to the, to the older schools. And you did present about how if we could renovate certain projects and had capacity, it could ex you know expand out the need for the uh, new schools. I took the opportunity to share that as well. That was, that was, that was really good. That was, it was yeah. a good presentation. The, the other thing that, that, going back to the other meeting, the, the joint meeting between the council and the commissioners, uh -huh, um, a couple where, Thursdays ago, where they yeah, where we were talking specifically about FSS Fordham, yeah. um, was Commissioner Bell mentioned, I'm sorry, Councilmember Bell mentioned that, um, well, Barry Jacobs asked, asked the question about, do we have a school site in FSS Fordham in that, in that zone? Or should we be, if we're looking to add that number of kids, should we be negotiating a school site within that, within that zone? And it really becomes a question of, are we willing to consider more urban style schools? And, and I think that's something that we, I mean, we've got three or four sites left. Beyond that, we need to start having that thought process as Chapel Hill is building the density. At what point do we need to build schools the same the same sort of way and that was right. and that came up last night and so uh, I can't remember if it was Tom or Todd shared about how Northside is on six usable acres of the of the twelve because of the water and and you know is more vertical um, and the, the construction standards do allow us that flexibility as well but he also addressed that in the renovations some of the parking and the uh, bus routes and the pedestrian con you call it conflicts which is a good word between the buses the cars and the pedestrians could be <laughs> solved you know, they're sort of dangerous so it was thank you very much it was an excellent uh, presentation and so that brings us to our resolution and i i i think it's um needed um i think it's very you know well well written thank you aligns with our efforts to um, be more deliberate in partnering with them mm -hmm. and, and sharing of information and updating each other. So, Is there a motion to move? Motion to approve the resolution. Yes. Okay. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Resolution is approved. Seven. Zero. Thank you all. Is that both resolutions? Well, was it? 
Yeah, the first one was um, the first one was just is there anything else that we wanted to send to the county commissioners? Do we want a motion on that? No. I think we're okay. Yeah, okay. Right. All right. Right. That all nodding heads. We have consensus from from the abstract and adding the part that, that Sappho is a good planning tool that's working for us. Okay. That brings sharing. us to sharing.